Spirit. Amen. Okay, so I don't know if it's a good idea that I'm giving this talk. Every person that I've told, they're like, oh, you're coming to Greek tree, you're giving a keynote? I'm not. And then they say, I say, I'm giving the girls talk, and they normally just laugh. And so we'll see how it goes. Um, But uh, Emily asked me to do this uh, because I talked to the women at Maddie's uh, Women at the Well, and she's like, do that. So I'll do that, and we'll see how it goes. But the topic that I was given then, and the topic that I think is pertinent, uh, feminine genius, and why I think it's pertinent is because if you, as a human being, know how to give yourself and what it is your gift is, then you're much more likely to give it and then not to avoid giving it or to excessively exaggerate it. And so to fall into uh, defect or excess. But I'll just give you a brief overview of what this word, uh, that is effective, um, what this word, word uh, virtue is. Um, <clears throat> I planned that. Um, so, uh, virtus. So, uh, virtus, the etymology of it, um, it just means manliness, not in like a sexist way, manliness. So, like, you know, if you want to be virtuous, you have to grow a mustache and bench 225, you know. Uh, but like in the generic sense, uh, like to what it means to be fully man. But then, obviously, you know, that's distinguished between both genders. So that finds this expression in different ways. So in order to have a virtue, uh, which is a good, like operating habit or disposition, um, you know, like what the thing is made for, what it does. And so in order to do that, we have to go to Genesis to talk about what it is that man is made for and then what it is that woman is made for, basically what their manliness is, you know. So, with that in mind, I just really like this water bottle. It's very effective. I don't have to think about it, you know, you just take it everywhere. It's great. I don't have to carry mace on me when I go out, you know. Um, It makes you feel safe. So, okay. So, what is man? So, when we go to Genesis, man as you can tell by uh, these symbols that, did you just, wow, that's impressive. You just typed that up. I did not prepare PowerPoint. I am not, this is not my gift. Uh, Okay, so, okay, so this is man. In Genesis, if we understand man, we have to know where he comes from. You have to know uh, who you are to know what you do. So he comes from dirt. So because he comes from dirt, from uh, the earth, he's then oriented to the earth. So he's oriented to outward tasks. So men like to do stuff, you know. Um, But the problem 
is that though man is oriented to these outward tasks, he does not feel connected to all of reality by himself. So he starts naming the animals and he doesn't find a suitable helpmate for him. And so for him, reality is just fragmented. Everything is separate. And so then God creates woman as a help to the man and woman comes from the rib. But the rib is what guards the heart. And the heart does two things. It's oriented uh, towards the body. So it's oriented uh, interiorly. But the heart connects everything else. As in it provides life to everything else. So the way that woman would fundamentally relate to man is that he's going, uh, she's going to connect man to the rest of reality. Um, so that whenever uh, Adam sees Eve, it's bone my bone, flesh my flesh. Everything is connected for Adam. So because of that, woman's gift of herself is going to be to uh, connect reality for others. So I'll just put that, connect reality for others. So think about this also biologically within like the birth process that a woman receives, well, I'll break it down in a second, but woman basically uh, receives life and then she's able to connect that life and then grow that life within her. So then that life becomes a gift back to the world. So the way in which then, and these, what these four virtues I'm going to write out that make a woman womanly, um, I just kind of made them up. So yeah, there's, there's, you're not going to like find this anywhere. And I could be totally wrong. You'd be like, yeah, that's stupid. That's not what being a woman's thought about at all. I'd be like, that's fair enough because I'm a man, and what am I doing up here? So, um, so the woman connects reality for the man. Again, the man is so outwardly oriented that this is the only analogy I can think of. I don't know why, but whenever a man walks into his own heart alone a lot of times, it's like the Hulk walking into uh, the palatial dining room and at being asked to set up fine china and crystal for the royal family. It just doesn't work. Breaks stuff, uh, gets green all over it. Um, yeah, uh, you know, because skin. Uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, <laughs> That was my joke for the talk. Glad it landed. All right. Um, <clears throat> but a woman can help connect, connect man to himself. And so I'll give you all uh, four things, four, I guess, acts that I've noticed that the woman does. Receptivity. 
thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, okay, so... Connectivity. Processing. And magnification. So, receptivity. Going back to that act of what the woman does in birth. So the woman receives from the man, and then after receiving from the man, is able to take what the man has, and then connects interiorly with everything in her body. And then she is able to assimilate you know, what she receives from the man, and then magnify. She grows from what is in the man in her own body. And then she you know, gives back to the world. So um, the receptivity that we see, though, while that happens biologically for a woman in the process of birth, it also happens uh, with Mary herself, so the archetype or the perfection of woman. So Mary is the one who, in the visitation, uh, before that she receives, she gets pregnant with the word of God. Spoiler alert if you haven't read the Bible. So she gets pregnant uh, with the Word of God. And then she connects herself to, in the visitation, to Elizabeth. So she goes the second uh, mystery of the joyful mysteries. So she then goes out to Elizabeth. She connects with Elizabeth. And after connecting with Elizabeth, She's processing what has happened to her, and then she's processing, uh, Elizabeth is processing her as well. So that, if you know the story, Elizabeth is pregnant six months ahead of time uh, in regards to Mary. And then she uh, has John leap within her own womb. And uh, this is when Mary magnifies the Lord that she sings out the Lord's praises. Um, Another example, this is just like an ordinary example of how I've seen this play out. So as a first-year priest going to um, the hospital uh, to anoint someone who is dying, and it was an older man, and the wife exhibited these four things. Um... So she was able to receive the ongoing death of her husband. She was the one in the room to connect her siblings, her children, and her grandchildren. So like the dynamic was walking to the room, husband's on the bed, we'll call her Ethel. Ethel is, uh, is right there, and she's able to talk about how her siblings are doing, how the kids are doing, and how the grandkids are doing. And she's processing that and connecting everyone and how they're handling the death. And then she magnifies it so much to where other people can share that grief. If it's a bunch of men just sitting by the bed, this is normally what happens at death. 
is like the man's looking at, we're like, is he plugged in? You know, like, it's just, all right. And then we're just kind of waiting around. Like, they don't know what to do, you know, don't know how to handle it. But then the woman is able to connect reality uh, uh, for everyone else in that moment so that the man and everyone else, other women for that matter too, are able to walk into that space so that they can navigate it and feel like because they're connected to all of reality, like it's a safe and uh, a homey space to do this. This is also why uh, just traditionally it's been the man that has been so outward focused in regard to introducing the family into the world is the woman who's been so inward focused to where because her body is a home, she can make the home a home to connect everyone else. So the thing with virtue, though, is that with all of the virtues, there is a defect and an excess. So you think of a virtue like this. If the virtue is the uh, summit between two extremes. So you have the, the defect and the excess. So with the defect of receptivity, again, I'm just making all this stuff up. So you might say like, well, that's, that's dumb, Father. Um, and I would say, you're right, because I am the Hulk walking into the dining room trying to get everything set up. Uh, so I'm going to try not to break it as, as best I can. Um, but so the defect that I think that I've seen with women is this numbing of one's experience and then the excess would be sentimentality. So basically, because the woman is the expert in receiving and connecting reality for herself and then for others, um, women feel deeply, like much more deeply than men. And so the defect of that is because sometimes, because of sin, reality is painful. And so it's very easy for the woman to numb experience um, because things just hurt. You get hurt, people sin against you, people sin against your friends, um, tragedy strikes, um, you just have an ongoing experience of your own fallenness. And so it's very easy to numb experience. And then what this causes, I think, again, in my... Uh, humble and perhaps incorrect opinion, um, is to just feel checked out and distracted. Um, to feel checked out and distracted from, from just reality. That expresses itself by just mindless scrolling, 
that can express itself by getting knee deep in a vat of mint chocolate chip ice cream on a Friday night. That can, you know, that can take a lot of different forms. Um, but that numbing experience is real. So the other extreme is instead of trying to blot out how I experience reality, with sentimentality, it's when I try to take one, when I try to sw swallow the meal all in one bite. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, the party that I went to or whatever. I enjoyed it so much that I'm going to accept this experience wholesale and reject the rest of everything else. I'm going to reject what my conscience tells me. I'm going to reject the desire for God. I'm going to reject my responsibilities because I also feel suspect about the rest of reality. The rest of reality is still hard to accept. It's still hard to accept my cross. And because the rest of reality is still hard to accept, I'm going to take this good experience and I'm going to swallow it all up in one bite. And so um, what that can cause, uh, the sentimentality, is just instability. And then uh, moving on from that, so the next act of woman is then to connect after having received. But that can also go south as well. So let's say it's that same experience. Let's say it's, let's say you're Ethel, right? And it's your husband on the deathbed. But then it's just hard to receive the trauma. Well, instead of connecting this with others, it's easy in defect to fall into self-reliance. which causes codependence. Oh, no, sorry, codependence is the other one. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Self-reliance, which then causes isolation. So that because I don't want to accept reality, I now don't want to connect with others because they're going to remind me of the reality that I have to accept. So then I rely upon myself and then I isolate myself. So another experience could be something like this. Um, <laughs> I recognize that life is messy right now. I'm just not doing well um, with school. Um, I'm financially, like, I'm embarrassed to tell my parents about, like, how much money I've spent. Um, and so I don't want to connect with the rest of reality because then they're going to remind me of how painful things are right now. And so then I'll rely upon myself and try to fix it, but then I end up isolating myself. And I end up isolating myself. So that is how we can defect. And again, it's all in relation to, I just don't want to accept things as they are. I just don't want to accept reality. The other thing that we can fall into excessively with connecting is codependence. Codependence. It's that same relationship again with reality. It's saying reality is still difficult to accept, 
But then when I have a good experience, I'm going to swallow it up. I hope that that sound effect haunts your imagination for the rest of the year. Um, but you're just trying to swallow it up all in one bite. And so that codependence is, well, I found a good guy or I found a good friend girl that's just able to accept and receive me. I'm going to unload everything on them because I can't unload that on anyone else because, again, the rest of reality is still suspect and just hard to receive. So that codependence is a real thing. And what uh, that codependence causes is chaos. Is chaos. Because then that person can't receive you anymore. And then it seems like, well, this person can't receive me. Well, I can't even interact with reality. I just feel like a stranger in this whole world. I just feel like I don't belong at all. Um, and so, yeah, that's, this is what the codependence can cause. And it makes me feel like an alien in this world, like alienated, not like a Martian, you know, alien, but alienated in the world, um, where it's no longer a home. And then if I don't feel, if I feel alienated, then I can't make a gift of myself. So it reinforces this. So, yeah. Codependence can cause some problems. Um, okay. But then that next act of a uh, woman that she's able to do in regards to reality is to process it well. And I say that as an example. So like, again, I don't know why. I don't feel qualified for it. But for some reason, I spiritually direct a lot of women. And then... They'll be sharing stuff, and the way that they're processing, it's like, like inside, I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel that too, you know? I mean, you know, I don't always say that, but like they're processing it to where I can walk into my own heart and, and, and feel those same feelings and, and like recognize like, oh yeah, like I'm kind of a mess in there, like all the crystal and china is broken, you know? Um... But, you know, you've like tamed the Hulk a little bit, you know, to where I'm able to get the broom, you know, and start sweeping up. So, um, yeah, so, so a woman is able to process these things because she's so connected to the rest of reality, because she experiences things so deeply. Um, but, again, this processing can have a defect and an excess. So one of them is suppressing. So men experience this a lot in relationship because the effect of suppressing is the cold shoulder. So like a man might offend a woman and then there's nothing so cold as like the, the cold shoulder of a woman, you know? And because it's like the woman is like the ticket to reality for man. Like a man feels lost without the woman. And so, yeah, it's like, like cold shoulder is, it's not good. It's, it's not good for us. So, um, yeah, it's very easy for woman then to suppress reality. And then when she does that and shuts down, everyone that's connected to her feels less connected to reality. Um, and again, that feeling of alienation and being lost. But then excessively, 
uh, processing. Men experience the effects of this a lot as well, not only the cold shoulder, but the overthinking. And the effect of overthinking is that it makes you crazy. <laughs> That's pretty much it. It just makes you crazy. <laughs> just overthink everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now you're able to connect that reality with each other. It's like, yeah, I am a little crazy. We're all a little crazy. Um, yeah. This is the most dialogue. I can just let the whole talk for the rest of the hour. And then... Um, so, yeah, that overthinking. And again, like this overthinking, it's the same kind of thing. What well, the overthinking is, because this what this the danger of like being in the over the danger of the way to get out of overthinking is this, is that overthinking can drive you so crazy that you start saying to yourself, "Well, I'm not even going to like re respond to reality more or the truth. Like everything is just about how I feel now." So then you just back to square one in sentimentality, but. The overthinking, it's not that truth itself is suspect. It's not that the reality itself is suspect. And, like you're th because you're th and the problem is that you're trying to use too much reason and you're thinking about it too much. The problem with overthinking is the same thing that you've done here, is taking this huge bite of reality. <laughs> you've taken the huge bite, and you're only focused on this chunk right here. You haven't released and let go and received reality like Mary does. So Mary's the one who is constantly receiving the events of Christ's life. Like if you read the Gospel of Luke, she's always taking these in and pondering these things in her heart. So it's not that reality itself, I just can't think about it anymore, I just have to feel it. It's not that. It's that we need to take the blinders off and, um, yeah, and just receive all of reality. So that's, I think that's the lie that I think most women find themselves in overthinking. So they just get caught in the cycle between overthinking and sentimentality. And they never come back to just reality and by opening ourselves up to God. Ultimately, we'll get to why all of this, you know, why these excesses and defects are a thing. So, and then lastly, magnification. Magnification. So, um, by defect... You can downplay. So one of the things that women magnify that a man just never does, like a man on a Saturday night, uh, like doesn't take, you know, with his buddies, like um, his whiskey and his cigar, and they just light it. And then they cross their legs and they talk about how handsome, you know, James Sappington is, you know? Like, that doesn't happen, you know? All right, maybe sometimes, because it's James Sappington. But, um, uh, and yes, I am recording this. Um, so, um, yeah, but like, but women can be very good about praising each other, magnifying each other's gifts, and letting that be a space for other women to then accept their gifts so that they can give themselves to other, 
uh, to others. But if a woman experiences someone because she does not experience reality well, she does not experience her own giftedness, and when she experiences the gifts of others, she's able to downplay them and be in, out of envy, really, to downplay them, and then that becomes, you know, that frustrates other people's relationship to reality. Because then from that downplaying comes gossip, lies are spread, and then, I mean, a lie is just, you know, um, a twisting of reality. So then doesn't allow people to walk into, into reality. So downplaying this really out of envy because the woman has not experienced reality and her own giftedness, and so when she experiences someone else's, she can downplay them. Um, but uh, magnification, the other thing would be like flattery, flattery and exaggeration. So a common experience that, again, with the excess, it's not that I'm receiving reality so greatly, it's that I'm receiving just this chunk of reality and I've it. Um, so with this, one of the, the, you know, the experiences that the woman can easily is, all right, there we go. Um, one of the experiences that a woman can easily take in is her own physical beauty and own physical beauty of others. Instead of paying attention to, out of a contemplative gaze, my own virtues, which take time to see, and then other per person's virtues, which take time to see. It takes a long contemplative gaze to look at that. Similar to, um, uh, there's uh, this guy whose name just evaporated out of my mind that talks about uh, Moses' relationship to the burning bush. Now, there would have been a lot of burning bushes in, uh, in the wilderness. But whenever he's walking through, he's able to look at reality with this contemplative gaze to notice that burning bush is on fire, but it doesn't seem to be burning away. In other words, it would take time to recognize like this burning bush is, is burning away. Um, but because um, he has this contemplative gaze, he's able to notice the presence of God in this burning bush. And so to have that contemplative gaze towards yourself and then towards others, rather than in a distracted and superficial way, just to look at the exterior, and then, because I have that experience, the flattery is like, it's so pretty, all that stuff. And then, what does that do to that person? It makes me not want to trust you because you're just taking in this section of reality. It's like, yeah, but I'm so much more. And so you're not able to take in that. Um, so, yeah. So sometimes, and I mean, this is all why, this is why, you know, if we're talking about classical virtues, why prudence is the the mother of all virtues. I got to be able to take in reality so that I can give myself. If I don't, if I don't have this access to reality, then even whenever I try to give myself and flatter other people, even that's not received. 
because I'm only taking in so much. Um, and so then that's frustrating because you feel like, well, I'm trying to be nice to this person, but they don't even, you know, feel like they don't care. It's not touching their heart. It's like, yeah, because you're not giving them the full reality. Um, okay. So that's kind of neat. Isn't that neat to know how you mess up things? Uh, <laughs> that's so bad. I'm sorry. Again, I don't know why I'm giving this talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, okay. So... <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. I mean, come on, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, look beyond him, okay? You got to look at the burning bush. He's a great guy generally, too, okay? Um, so, all right, all of these things, we have to go back to not just access to defect, all of these things Mary does for the Christian in the rosary. So, wow. <laughs> this shows how much of a procrastinator I am because she did that in like five seconds and I'm like, there's no way I can do that on digitally, you know? Uh, I've only been knowing about this for like three months. Uh, so, um, anyway. So, in regards to this whole process, Mary does this for the Christian in the rosary. So, you receive in the rosary the highlight reel of the most real thing, God becoming man. So, the highlight reel of the Gospels. Uh, that's what the mysteries of the rosary are. It's just the most important sections of the Gospel. And the Christian prays the mysteries of the rosary through the eyes of Mary, because Mary is the one who has received the event of Christ in her womb. She has connected Christ with the rest of reality so that like, she offers perfect worship. So perfect worship is just offering creation, everything that I encounter, back to God. But I have to connect the rest of the world. I have to connect, like, what does my schoolwork have to do with God? What does my family have to do with God? What do my friendships have to do with God? I have to connect all those things. I have to process all that and then, and then magnify it. I give... God, it's almost like I give God a greater gift than he has given to me when I'm giving it, because I'm giving it with the love that he's also given me. So, so that's why we say with Mary, not my soul mirrors the Lord, but my soul magnifies the Lord, you know, that expands the Lord. So, um, so Mary does that in the rosary. So because she receives all of reality in this way, um, she is a model for women to receive these things. And again, the mode by which she receives them in the Gospel of Luke is always she takes these things and she ponders them in her heart. So she's taking these things and she's pondering them in her heart. So what does that mean for the Christian and most especially for the woman if Mary is her archetype? is that be a prayer. I like that. It's kind of like a pun. You know? um, so be a prayer. So I'm going to just riff a little bit right here. So men desire you because they want to be connected 
to reality. That's it. But then men can get disappointed and squeeze things out of women. They feel like the woman has no more depth beyond herself because she only looks at herself by how beautiful she is or that she isn't. And so if she perceives herself that way, well then because the man is going to the woman to receive reality, then she's going to be experienced that way herself. So that the man is going to look to her, it's like, well, that's what's important to her. I guess that's what's important. So then I'm definitely going to treat her that way, you know, to reinforce what's important because she's connecting me to reality. But if a woman is a true prayer and is able to look beyond, like Moses at the burning bush, at what truly matters beyond just what's superficial, then whenever the man encounters the woman, he is much more likely to see not her, but Christ beyond her. Because she's looking at Christ. Because she's constantly looking at Christ to receive her own identity because in Christ is reality. Now, this is why women have a profound effect upon men. Because men want to be connected to reality. They are naturally, though, Hulk in the palace. So, whenever a man grows up and is not with a woman, what a man will tend to do is not even be able to do the thing that he's supposed to with the outward tasks. He'll just be lazy. He'll just be slothful. He'll just play Fortnite and eat Cheetos and forget to shower and have greasy hair. Um, he will. It happens. You've seen it. Um, he will do it. Uh, unless you stop him. Uh, so, and you have that stopping power. So that when a man experiences a woman that connects him to the rest of reality so that the world, he doesn't feel alienated from God, then he cleans out his belly button, he washes his, he gets some, you know... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, he washes his hair with some, you know, dandruff shampoo, and he's he's quit. He's done using Perp Plus. No more Perp Plus. You know, he's done using five and one. You know, brush your teeth, wash your hair. Uh, he's he's on to bigger and better things now. He's he's spending big bucks. You know, he gets his life in order because he knows that he has a purpose now. His outward task is for something. He is able to connect to reality through you. And so, also, this is important too. So don't be upset whenever you're looking for a man and his prayer life isn't as good as you. It probably won't be. You know? Like, that's not the norm. Like, you're more oriented towards that than he is. So don't be, don't be upset about that. Um, I mean, you want it to be in the same league. You know, you want, like, you know, you want major leagues, and then maybe you want, like, you know, your husband, you know, have single A, but, like, he can get up to the major leagues. He can have potential, you know, but you're not, you know, you don't want somebody that uh, can't put the, you know, the cabbage ball on the tee, you know, or whatever. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so what, be a prayer, but then what's going to keep you from embracing reality? Don't 
be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. It's like that simple. Um, shame takes a while to set in. Um, so fundamentally, shame, we know, even the garden hides from reality, hides from God. If I'm hiding from reality, then I'm not going to be able to give the gifts of myself. But I have no reason to be ashamed because the Lord knows my giftedness. He knows my weakness. He knows my sins. And he still chooses me. He still loves me. And he wants me to come into communion with him, even after sinning. But it's the shame that takes a while to set in. They sin, and then there's shame that follows after. The shame is this mistrust that I'm not fundamentally good and that I can't give myself. And then whenever the shame then sets in, it makes it to where I can't navigate in reality. I remain in the darkness. And it's the shame, this fundamental shame, that makes me, because I can't be accepted by God, that I have to take in the good experience. you got to come all in, and then you got to, you know, all these things too. So... Um, so yeah, it's that shame that will prevent me from that. But the shame, again, is preventable just knowing the Lord's knowledge. So consider if you desire to give yourself because you have a special superpower of taking in reality that the Lord is the one who has moved first, that he has taken you in first in reality. He has called you good and has seen your defects, your weaknesses, your ugliness, all these things. And even with that, sees beyond it, as you are like a burning bush, uh, to take you in and to call you good so that you're able to um, navigate reality and be a gift for others. That's my TED Talk. That's all I got. Uh, okay. 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 Uh, Let's uh, pray and give glory to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>